There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by The Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, CEO and founder, and I am honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through paying it forward and giving back. Ethical business owners and holistic healers who are determined to create collective change in the world. Once we have a change in consciousness and through collective change, we can become one. A number of guests from around the world recommended that I speak to my next guest. I can see why she got so many recommendations. She is a great fit for the ethical evolution. Carol Hansen is the conscious wardrobe stylist based in the UK. Her mission in life is simple, to inspire women who have a wardrobe full of clothes but nothing to wear. She will help you look and feel fabulous every time you get dressed. But more than that, she wants you to do this with a conscious style approach. The scale of the negative impact the fashion industry and our consumption has on the planet is no longer a dirty secret. This is not just about the environmental cost, but the human cost as well, from farming through manufacturing, the irreparable damage to our fragile ecosystems, endangering the lives and health of some of the poorest people in the world, all in the name of fashion. Welcome, Carol, to The Ethical Evolution. Oh, it's great to be on. I really appreciate the fact that we've um, we've connected, Bindi, and it's such a pleasure to be on your um, on your show. Oh, look! Now you and I have been trying to connect for a while, and um, there have been so many people around the world who have recommended I chat to you, um, and it's it hasn't just been one. There's been multiple. I'm like, oh, there's Carol Hanson. I need to talk to her. Um, <laughs> now you're based in uh, the UK, and. I am. Um, uh, as as we go to air right now, uh, we are in the grip of coronavirus crisis. Um, so uh, it, it is so great we can still connect uh, from the opposite sides of the world and, and actually share our passions. And um, I really thank you for taking the time. No problem at all. It, 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 as I say, it is great that we have got the connection um, and it is going to help us stay in contact. And I think we're going to be thanking the internet a lot in the next few coming weeks and, and months for enabling us to stay connected um, in a way because humans need connection. Mm, so true. Now, um, for those of uh, us who are listening who don't actually know who you are, do you want to tell us a bit who, about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So my name's Carol Hansen and I inspire women who have a wardrobe full of clothes but nothing to wear. I help them to look and feel fabulous every time they get dressed. So I work with women on their personal style, but it's much more than that. It's really, it's about helping them to either discover or reclaim their identity and feel confident about what they're wearing. Now, a, a sort of traditional 
if you like, personal stylist will take somebody through a consultation and then they will take them personal shopping. Mm. And with my views on um, sustainability and our overconsumption, mm. I take people shopping in their own wardrobes um, it. because it's my belief that most of us have too many clothes and we go out and buy clothes without really realizing what we've got in our wardrobes mm. and how we can make better use of what we've got. Yeah, so uh, that's that's where all these ethics come into play, isn't it? Uh, where you're actually uh, reusing uh, items in your wardrobe or actually yeah, uh, ab- recycling? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I as I say, I, I teach people to go shopping in their own wardrobes. There will be clothes that aren't right that mm. we can't do much with and, um, and that people are hanging on to usually for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, but... Um, when we do get rid of those, I always show people how to recycle responsibly mm. um, because there are a good few myths around about what happens to clothes when we just donate them to a charity or a thrift store. Um, and um, and those we also look at what clothes we may be able to repurpose. So, for example, I was with a client a couple of weeks ago and she had a couple of favourite dresses, but because of the way that her body shape had changed, they didn't really work for her anymore around the neckline. Mm. So I showed her how we could alter the neckline. So she's she's actually a seamstress herself. So she's gone ahead to go um, and change those necklines. Another client I was working with... Um, back end of last year I met her again last week and she was so excited because she she just picked up a pile of clothes from her little dry cleaners and alteration shop where we'd made some I'd made her some suggestions about what she could do to alter some of her clothes um, to make them uh, work better for her and she felt like she'd just gone and picked up a new wardrobe without actually investing um in an in new clothes yeah isn't that great um and it's it's kind of funny because uh last year um I, I lost a significant amount of weight um like 20 20 plus kilos and um i have a friend who is a, a personal stylist and and shopper and uh we went and we uh restyled me <laughs> and then i had a photo shoot and um yeah. You know, just understanding what your colours are, I think, is a really important thing. And and if you look at me right now, I'm wearing black. I quite often wear black. <laughs> um, but understanding, you know, that probably with my complexion, cool colours really work well for me. Um, yeah. I'm very mindful of that now when I get dressed and I'm like, okay, blues are my colour. Like, hello, my brand's behind me. Um, yeah. But um, just really rethinking um, things and being conscious about what you put on every day um, because it's part of your personal brand, isn't it? It is part of your personal brand, absolutely. And if you feel more confident about what you're wearing, then it's going to have a massive mm. effect on other aspects of your life. You know, I've had I've worked with some people where they said it, it's really turned their business around mm. uh, as well because they've had that feeling of confidence that they can step out and step into their identity and what they are what they're really meant to be doing mm. and that's it so you know it is really powerful yeah and a lot of people um in small business i mean they sometimes forget that their business is them yes they are their Very business true. so uh, absolutely yeah so their presentation is really everything isn't it 
the presentation is really important and that they feel um, that they feel really good about themselves as well because again um, that will help them attract the kind of clients that they want to work with mm. um, because let's face it if if you're not feeling great about yourself then the energy you're giving out isn't great either mm. and and it can have a you know it can have a massive impact on um, you know the way your your business works and so let's face true. it at the moment we all need to be pulling together as small businesses mm. um to be able to you know, keep our businesses going at the moment yeah it's so so true um so um with what you do like what is your mission what how many people do you want to reach what do you want to achieve in in the work that you do okay so with the work that i do um i'd like to i'd like to reach out to all women who are not feeling confident mm. um really between the ages of 40 and 60 but let's be realistic <laughs> that's not going to happen um so my my aim is to reach as many women as possible and as i say i do work within a demographic of that kind of 40 to 60 not exclusively but those are the types of clients that i find i work best with yep. um i work very much with um entrepreneurs um and I get a lot of my business comes through um, networking and from that also um, referrals from people that I've worked with through networking. Um, and as a result of that, it's kind of that's the world that I work within to be able to support them. And it may be people that have been in business a couple of years. Um, you know, that initial investment when you set up in business is always going to be in your business. Mm. And, and then as you start to grow your business, you'll find that um, you need to kind of start investing in yourself um, to get to that next level. Mm. Uh, And that's where um, I come in uh, and are able to help people. And I I work with people on a one-to-one basis, um, but I also work with people on group work as well. So um, I run a couple of online courses um, and I've got a feeling I'm going to be doing some um, a lot more online work in yeah. the, certainly in the next few months um, so that I can reach a, a wider audience. And it's a good way for people to, to still be able to work with me, um, but to do a lot of the work themselves, obviously, because I'm not there with them. Mm. And do you find, uh, um, no doubt you've probably had some clients that you've had for a significant amount of time. Do you find that they evolve in their style over time? Interesting question. I tend to see my clients again, but I also tend to work with my clients very much, unless they're doing online courses with me, on a one-to-one basis. And it, I'm continually looking for new business, the person being repeat clients, mm-hmm. because my ethos is about educating them and helping them to um, move on. Yep. And so yes, I will bump into my clients, but I'm not likely to be kind of working with them um on a repeat business on that side of it but I do see a difference um I love it when I see my clients in um at events afterwards and you can see how they walk into a room differently um they hold themselves differently because they've got that feeling of confidence that they know what they're doing they're wearing the right colors and the whole posture is different and that you know that to me is huge really is huge as well as helping to educate them about the ethical side mm. and the the whole side regarding sustainable fashion and um, helping to show them that 
you know, fashion is the second biggest pollutant in um, in the world in terms of industries under um, the oil and aviation industry. So, yeah. you know, we really need to clean up our act in fashion. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are still they're kind of aware of it, but I think there's a little bit of, um, yeah, kind of aware of it, but what can I do about it? Mm. Um, and that's, again, is where I can help and um, show them how they can make better use of their clothes, how when they do shop they can make ethical choices, um, sustainable choices, um, and what to look for in terms of greenwashing, which is a, mm. a big factor within the fashion industry at the moment. Yeah, there's um, another guest I had on the podcast who's actually also in the UK and I, I think I might connect the two of you if you don't know each other. Um, great. But we were talking about um, – the impact that fashion has on the environment and um, just recently they posted something like um, the fashion industry uses uh, was an, a huge percentage of water to create Absolutely. cotton like yeah globally the amount of water used to create cotton for the clothes we wear is incredible it's almost more than what humans consume it's a lot more than humans mm. consume because cotton is grown in fairly dry and mm. arid um, environments. And um, so you've got, they need to irrigate um, to get a decent crop. The demand that we're putting on um, production means that they, you know, production has to go up. Mm. Um, and, um, and then on top of that, if they, um, if they till, so in other words, if they harvest the cotton and then they turn the ground over, then A, that dries that out more, but yeah. B, it releases more carbon into the atmosphere as well. Mm. So in fact, what you find with organic cotton is the way that they farm it. It's much better um, irrigation, yeah. um, uh, use of irrigation. They teach, um, there are lots of initiatives that teach people how to irrigate better. And they also do it on what's called a no-till basis. So they're not actually releasing that carbon at the end of the season. So they're not actually plowing the ground up to, to then plant more cotton um, trees. Yeah. So, so it's much better but we have to change yeah. and, you know, finding other materials, using other materials that are less water hungry because, mm. it's, yes, there's a lot in the growth of the cotton, but then there's an awful lot during the, um, the dying process particularly, yeah. you know, with, with a pair of jeans, for example. Um, there's an awful lot of um, waters used there. And unless they've got what's called a closed loop cycle so mm. that they're able to recycle that water – then again, it's just used, and then it's it's passed out into the water supply. Yeah. So, from your opinion, what do you reckon is probably the most ethical and sustainable fabric we could be seeking in in our clothing? That's a really good question. There are there are several. Um, linen is a good one mm -hmm. because that uses an awful lot less um, water in production. Um, hemp is yes. another one. Um, and also there are a number of um, manufactured products such as Tensile and mm. they come under a brand called uh, Lyocell um, and what they basically are is it's breaking down the um, cellulose in various plants to be able to then use that and manufacture it. So it's done under, effectively done under laboratory conditions. Um, and that 
they are better, much better for the environment. The other thing is to think about reclaimed fabrics. So, for example, um, there's a swimwear brand over here in the UK, um, and it's, there are more than one, but this particular one, I met, I met the founder and MD last year, and she's using um, something called Niatel, which is effectively reclaimed fishing nets. Right. And that's taking the um, the fishing waste out of the you know, the problems we've got with plastic waste in the ocean, about 45% of that plastic waste wow. is actually discarded fishing nets. And this process then breaks down those fishing nets and turns it into um, a fabric that can be used. Oh, that's incredible. Um, oh, I, I know several people I can connect you with that are going to change your world that have been on this podcast be and they're all from the UK. Um, Brilliant. I, I am the global connector. So, <laughs> now, um, you, you were talking about your clients. Can you tell us about some of the people that you've helped and, and the difference it's made to them? Yeah, sure. So, um, I work with people, the, the people I tend to work with, apart from the demographic of us, as I mentioned, there's, there's another reason why I work with that demographic. And it's because they very often are going through some big lifestyle changes. Yeah. Now, that may be um, menopause, which of course has a big impact on women's bodies mm. um, and their mental and their physical health um, and changes the body shape. So someone who um, may have been a, of a particular body shape pre-menopause, can then change post-menopause, and that can have a real impact on mm. women's confidence. Um, there are also other things that kind of happen to that age group, which could be children leaving home, um, empty nesting syndrome, yeah. can be um, relationship breakdowns, mm. and I know that can happen at any age, but it can impact a woman in middle age quite badly in terms of upsetting her confidence yeah. uh, and also in terms of all of that is a woman particularly with children leaving home and stuff is a woman reclaiming her identity you know yes. her children don't need her so much mm. anymore yeah I also work with women who are retiring and that may be retiring from services such as the police the paramedics where they've worn a uniform mm. all their lives particularly if they've done long service yeah. that uniform has identified them yeah. And they're now at a stage where they get a bit lost in terms of their identity um, because they've had that work uniform. And then generally, because they've been working shift work and all the rest of it, they may have had a kind of off-duty uniform. Mm. So again, it's um, that's another area. Or women who have been bereaved. Um, or women who are just retiring out of city life or retiring out of or coming out of corporate life to set up their own business but as I said it generally takes a couple of years yeah um before those women are, are ready to work with me because that initial investment does tend to be in their business mm. wow um and as you were just um explaining all those kinds of women there um it reminded me of a recent guest who you I think you might actually know um who's that uh Liza Baker oh she's you know amazing Liza? yeah I love her so she and I, she and I were talking about um, women over forty and how yeah. you know there's just this this unwritten code that we all have over forty that you know yeah. we don't take anybody's shit anymore and we we reclaim our space for ourselves and yeah. um, I, I, I no doubt you would be experiencing that with the clients that you have absolutely 
Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah were- Lisa and I um, got together, and in fact, we recorded an interview for her private membership site. Oh, um, cool. Last week. Nice. Yeah. So she's, uh, or two weeks ago, she is absolutely amazing. Yeah. I love her energy. Yeah. So uh, I just love how we're making the world smaller. Like, this is so, so cool. Yeah. Um, so, what do you reckon has been your biggest challenge in the work that you do, and how did you overcome it? Um, it's probably, in a sense, it was my own journey mm. in that sense. Um, my own journey is that I actually suffer from an eating disorder for 23 years. And, um, you know, I had overcome it by the time I started styling. Otherwise, I couldn't have styled women. Mm. Um, I'd have dragged myself back into that darker place in terms of um you know if people were telling me about their own imperfections and that would be magnifying my own and could, yeah. could have caused triggers but in a sense you know it's that has been part of my journey the the reason I started my personal styling consultancy was actually on the back of a less successful business that I was running so um in 2013 I went out with no experience in fashion, no experience in e-commerce, no experience in marketing and bought an existing online boutique that was up for sale. How hard could it be? (laughs) (laughs) Well, very as I found Mm. out as I tried to grow the business um, and get that stock turnover right and get the marketing right and so on and so forth. Um, And I was doing a lot of marketing offline as well as online, um, putting on various events, um, fashion shows, clothes parties, you know, anything I could think of, to be honest, to um, try and build the business up. Mm. And what I found I was attracting were women who wanted to come and talk to me about the fact that clothes weren't right for them. Yes. And the common thread that was coming through all of that was a lack of confidence Mm. um, and a sense of just not knowing who they were anymore and what their identity was. Mm. And you know, all of those factors that I bring in to the way that I work with women now. And so I guess my challenge on that sense has been about really helping women to explore themselves and to fall back in love with their bodies again. Mm. Yeah, that is so beautiful. Um, And um, in saying that, uh, my friend who's also a stylist, um, we've also done a podcast together previously. um, And one of the things that we both got really passionate about was, um, you know, women our age tend to, well, some of us um, tend to carry a little more weight. So when uh, we go looking at fashion, it is frumpy, it's ugly, it's just, it has no shape, it has no style. And it's like, you know, it's like we've lost all kind of, you know, and I think this is where a lot of the, the self-esteem issues come in and when you go to the stores and you look at this stuff, you go, oh, I can't wear that. I'm going to look like a tent, you know, like you want yeah. some shape. You actually want to show your curves. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, like just what is wrong with the fashion industry that we can't get this stuff if we're over a size 16? Yeah, it, it, it is wrong. I mean, I um, I really hate what the fashion industry does in terms of that with, with women um, and the fact that it believes that, you know, women of a certain size that you would consider a regular size mm. um, are considered plus size. Yeah. And then, as you say, as the sizes get bigger, 
um, with very many brands, the the clothing shape, the definition disappears. And that is the worst thing that you can do is mm. to put on clothes that have no shape or definition because they will just simply make you look bigger. Exactly. As opposed to showing off your curve, showing off that definition it's a far more attractive look and it's going to make you feel more confident. Mm. And they tend to put all the highlights in the wrong places. So it's like, yep. <laughs> so yeah, pocket, pockets on your boobs. That yeah. really isn't a good look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. And um, I don't, know an awful lot about the I'll be honest I don't know an awful lot about the fashion market over there in Australia um but I do hear this from women um over here in in the UK um that there are only certain brands that they feel catered to them yeah and that's it you know you get to know which ones you can kind of rely on um and which will you know work for you um, yeah. And the minute they change those designs, it's just, yeah, you can tell yeah, the absolutely. difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got to ask you, can you define what being ethical means to you? Yeah, for me, it's um, it's about it's about not taking all the resources from the planet that mm. we need to cut down on consumption. Um, we need to rethink our buying. Um, we need to grow crops more sustainably. And in terms of manufacturing, we need to manufacture better too, because I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard of Rana Plaza, the, um, the fashion disaster in Bangladesh that mm. happened in 2013, um, which was a a real shocking example for the world about how the garment industry um, was behind the scenes. Mm. Um, and people thought the Rana Plaza was a, a one-off incident when in fact it's not. Mm. Um, there are many other fat garment factories that have had massive accidents, not maybe not on the same scale as that. But again, where the profit margins are so tight within that industry that the whoever's owning the 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 factories can't actually invest in the factories because they're too busy trying to meet the demand that the brands are placing on them Mm. and it's just it is a crazy cycle of consumption because when you think that we don't even consume all of the products um and many brands end up offloading products Mm. or worse still some brands burning stock because they don't want to devalue it um and and people are not being paid decent wages. All mm. of that needs to stop. Yeah. We need to stop and think about it. We can't just close down and say, we're not going to buy fashion anymore. We're not going to buy clothes anymore. Um, lots of reasons for that. And the, the one that always comes to me straight away is that there are an awful lot of people that will lose their jobs mm. and you know not be able to provide for their families if we do that, who work within the garment industry. And many of those, about 80-odd percent of them, are women. Mm. Um, And so we have to do things differently. Um, We've got to have – consumers have got to start saying no, Mm. and brands have got to start being more responsible. So there is an enormous step change that has got to take place within the fashion industry. There are some great movers and shakers out there who are doing stuff, um, creating awareness – and 
you know, bringing a lot of um, this to the media's attention. Um, but we need to do more. Yeah. And we've got to keep doing more and we can't get complacent about it. That's exactly right. And I think the other big thing um, that I've learned is that we need more transparency around where our garments are coming from, where they've yes. started and where they've ended. Um, yeah. We've got no idea. And there are some brands that are doing that and doing it very well. There's a brand called Everlane, which is um, an American brand, mm-hmm. which is, I think it really started as a jeans brand, but it, it does other basic sort of casual um clothes for both men and women and they have um within their website go and have a look at their website because it's great because it takes you back through Mm. where everything has come from and they only work with certain factories um and so you have got that transparency yeah um and yes I agree with you more brands need to do that and brands need to be held to account if they're not doing it as well Mm. And another that I'm going to mention and I'm actually going to connect you with if you don't know her is um, Sarah from You Underwear um, right. in the UK. Um, they okay. actually have a little QR code that's on all their products that actually tells you the story of where yes. it's come from and how it's yeah. got to you and everybody that's been involved in that chain. I think that's yeah. a beautiful thing. I think that's thing. great. Yeah. Yeah, and there's another brand over here in the UK called um, Birdsong where um, they manufacture most of their – they get the, – the cotton comes from one particular area or, so they're not transporting stuff all over the world. So yeah. they're, they're doing most of their – getting most of their fabrics from one particular area. Most of the goods are then manufactured here in the UK and they're manufactured by women who – um, for various reasons, would struggle to find work within the workplace or if they did find work within the workplace, um, it wouldn't be fairly paid. Yeah. Um, now, they may be women of, of different, different ethnic cultures um, and, and stuff like that who um, basically the skilled seamstresses, but they would be taken advantage of. But mm. Birdsong doesn't take advantage of them and it offers an opportunity. They're, they are self-employed, but they're paid a, um, a living wage, as we call it over here in the UK, rather than um, the brands that underpay people. Um, and so they've, they're then just manufacturing fundamentally in one place. They're selling mainly within the UK. So again, their carbon footprint is is kept quite low as well yeah and those are the kinds of brands that we need to be supporting Mm. so um what are your future plans um in in the work that you're doing and and how do you want to help women more to carry on doing what i'm doing to shout more about it um this is why part of the reason why i'm doing a number of podcast interviews at the moment is to kind of raise my profile generally um and um to keep talking about it to keep campaigning for it um to keep educating um from that point of view because i think it's creating more awareness will create change Mm. if people aren't aware of something then they're not going to change yes Yes, and I no doubt I'm seeing the smile on your face, and I know that you know what my mission is, and it's all about collective change. So I'm right with your sister. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, um, how can people get involved um, in in what you do and find out more? Okay, so I have my website, which is carolahanson.com. 
Um, I'm also on various social media channels. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn as Carol A. Hansen. I'm on Facebook where I have my own um, business page, which is the Conscious Wardrobe Stylist. Mm -hmm. And I also have a Facebook group called Awesome Women with Style. Um, and I'm also on Instagram as well, um, which is underscore Carol underscore Hanson. So those are the best ways that people can reach out to me. Um, and all of those social media links are, of course, on my website as well. Um, so that's the best way to get to reach me. And do you uh, take global clients at all or are you more locally based? Well, really interesting the way that you um, – that comment because obviously with what we're going through as we're recording yeah. this interview in terms of um, – the unprecedented circumstances around coronavirus. I was actually talking to a lady in Costa Rica last week and she was saying, I would love to work with you, but I don't want to work on one of your group programs. So how can we work together? Um, So that's got me really thinking now as to how I can offer um, an online one-to-one styling service with people. Mm. I've always thought there there are certain challenges around it, in particularly in re- regard to working with someone on their colours, yep. because you need to have the right light and everything um, to be able to do a proper colour analysis. But there is no reason why I can't take someone through um, decluttering and sorting out their wardrobe, um, doing it on an online basis so I am looking at it and how I can then adapt my online group programs to be able to run through um, with someone on a one-to-one basis as well yeah because again there's no reason why I can't do that as a as an online service yeah I'm also keen to learn from you what would be your top tips for loving your wardrobe and not killing the planet while you do it (laughs) I love that one. Thank you very much for asking me that, Bindi, because the um, I do start from a, t- from a position of love yep. when I'm working with a client. And what we do is we identify what is your favorite outfit. Mm. And when you've got that favorite outfit, really look at it and understand what it is about that outfit that really lights you up. Is it the colors? Is it the style, the shape? Is it the fabric it's made from? Um is it the finishes, um, the texture, the print? Is it the fact that just whenever you put it on, you feel really you, if that makes sense? You feel really lit up and maybe you get lots of compliments whenever you're wearing it. Because you can use that then as a kind of a blueprint. Not that I'm saying that everything should be a replica of your favorite outfit, mm. but you can understand what really works for you. So we start from that position of love. The other thing I do with clients in terms of identifying and helping them to love their wardrobes is identify what parts of your body you really love. Mm. So, and some clients do struggle with that. Um, So for example, if someone says that they really love their eyes, for example, I will show them the colors that they can wear to help their eyes pop, um, to really stand out the necklines that work, which will draw attention to their eyes, the accessories that they can wear again, that will draw attention to their eyes so that we start again from that position of love. So, mm. Because if you love what something about your wardrobe and you can then replicate that going forward, it's going to make life an awful lot easier. Yeah, and I think it's um, this is all part of, I think, what, what you would do is actually raising that consciousness in women to actually, you know, look and feel 
um, more about what they're choosing to wear. Um, Absolutely. You know, like some time ago I used to wear red a lot and then when I learnt that it really wasn't my colour, I was like, "Mm, yeah, I see that now. Um, So understanding whether you're cool colours, warm colours, all those kind of things based on your complexion and and your looks, your hair, your eyes, all those kind of things, it can really make you look a million dollars. It can. Mm. And and when you look a million dollars, you start feeling a million dollars as well. So true. and and that is just so important. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, at the moment, we need to do everything we can to raise ourselves up again in mm. the current sort of world situation to make ourselves really feel good. Yeah. Um, and that is just so important. But what I would say with your comment about colours mm. is that everybody can wear uh, most colours apart from the neutrals. Yeah. It's about getting the right tone and shade That's for your right. um, for your skin. So even though you're a cool complexion, you can still wear certain red tones, mm. um, but they need to be the ones that, that work for you as well. Yeah. I was going for the really warm reds, which really weren't me. Yeah, which won't work. <laughs> but if you've got but if you've got cooler reds or burgundy type colours, yeah. um uh, clarity type reds, then they will they will look sensational on you. Yeah. Um, so I've got a big question for you, Carol. Go on. <laughs> What's the I like ch- big questions. You do? What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Oh, I want to see us really think about what we are doing with the planet. Mm. You know, we've, we've got this current situation at the moment with this pandemic and I am hoping some good is going to come from it. I mm. really do. You know, we've seen pollution levels fall incredibly within China since the outbreak in China. Mm. Um, and what I want to see is that we just don't go back to where we were, that we use this as a real opportunity for positive change. Yeah. And that, that positive change has to be um, bidirectional in my view. It has to be top-down from government, um, and governments need to unite on this, which unfortunately, as we know, they haven't been doing. Mm. And um, we as as individuals, we need to work collectively to raise our own consciousness and do our own bit because although I know there are some arguments that say, oh, well, if you just do your recycling or whatever or your bit, then it's going to make no difference. But if collectively we all start doing it, of course it's going to make a difference. Yeah. So... I'm hoping that the one good thing that is going to come out of this current situation is that we do start looking at the world differently. Mm. And, in, you know, with so many people going well, I into... pray for that. I really yeah. do because I just think it is, it is an amazing opportunity for us to really rethink what we're doing. Mm. Um, you know, you're going to find, particularly with the travel industry, that that's never going to be quite the same again. The aviation industry is likely to take a massive hit. Mm. Um, And let's use that as an opportunity to rethink things. Yeah, so true. And, you know, with so many people going into isolation at the moment and lockdown and all these kind of things, it really gives us an opportunity to look at our own backyard and, and the way we do things and how we can elevate above what we've previously done. I 
I'm with you all the way on that one. I really am because it is it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for businesses as well to look at um, how they can work differently. Um, mm. You know, do you really need to be going into an office every day? Um, how much better, how much more productive can you do it with people working from home without getting stuck on commutes and stuff like that and causing all that pollution on the roads? Um, and it is an amazing opportunity for us to to look at stuff um, and for us to question stuff. We still need that human connection. Mm. Humans need connection. We can't, um, you know, we will struggle without it. It's the one area that really does worry me at the moment is how we preserve mental health going Mm. through this, Um, particularly when people are in isolation, particularly when elderly people are in isolation too who may not have um, the access to technology you know, I know a lot of older people do, but not everybody does no. in that older generation yet. Um, so we need to be very mindful. But I'm also hoping that this is, and certainly we're seeing it over here in the UK, that it's going to kind of bring out a community spirit that we mm. haven't seen yeah. for a long time. Um, certainly here in the town that I live in, um, and many others in the UK, we are starting up Facebook groups mm. um, where we're basically saying, okay, um, sign up for this and what support can you offer what support do other people um need and so that people can just get together and help the neighbors out effectively yeah yeah and i'd love to see more of that i'd love to see us getting back to that because i think it's something that we have really lost in the world um over the past few years as you know families have got more disjointed Mm. as people move away to work it's not that same and as transportation becomes much easier and cheaper it's not the same that used to be even in my parents generation yeah and I've been thinking about this all day today actually because um you know looking at our current situation and how it's actually impacting business I think it gives us the opportunity to pivot and actually do things better where the result effect is we have less of an impact on the planet but more of an impact on each other. Yeah. And that we start to give the planet back, give back to the planet and give give back to nature and allow the planet to recover from all the damage that we've done to it. We're not going to get away with, you know, total wholesale change, but no. it would just be amazing if we could if we could use this as an opportunity to put the brake on everything. And as you say, to use it as an amazing opportunity to relook at what we're doing and how we could do things differently in the future. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like you've said, it's a it's a really good opportunity for us to be there for each other. And um yeah. there are so many people doing it tough at the moment. And um, I, I really think this is a really good uh, time for us to step up and and help each other just with the simple things, you know. Um, so let's let's look at this as more of a blessing than a than a curse. I agree. You know, it's it's going to cause hardship. Mm. It's scary. It's worrying. But um, we can also put a positive spin on this. And as you as we both said, you know, use it to the world's advantage, the planet's advantage, and mm. ultimately to our own advantage because it's not just about saving the planet per se, it's about saving humanity. Yeah, absolutely. Carol, it's been it's been huge. Um, I have to thank you 
like this has been absolutely incredible. I can't thank you enough for being a part of the ethical evolution um, and I can't wait to share this story with the world. Thank you very much and please share the links. Um, let me have the link so I can start um, sharing it out with uh, my tribe as well um, because, yeah, it's been incredible talking to you and I'm so glad that we've actually managed to hook up at last, Bindi. Yes, we've got our own little global community happening so uh, let, let's keep that trucking along. Um, yeah, I think we can just make this ripple even further. Yeah, I think so. Let, I don't want to actually create a tsunami, but you know, let's get <laughs> let's get those ripples going you know, big time and create some nice big waves, and then maybe do some surfing on them. Oh, I love it! I love it! Love it! Love it! Thank you so much, Carol. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker, or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world, and you need support to spread your message. Visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there.